Portland Baptist Fellowship. I appreciate everybody who's been standing in the gap uh, uh, as I've been out the last few weeks, but it has been, well, it's encouraging to come back to this, and I'm so excited about everything that God is doing here on our fabulous fifth Sunday, and for those of you that are guests, and you're wondering, what are we doing? Because this is a little different um, every fifth Sunday, which happens about four times a year. Uh, as often as we, we get together for the Lord's Supper, we do that on the fifth Sunday about four times a year. And uh, it's, our, it's been our kind of custom the last oh, decade or so, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years, whatever it's been, to focus on God's heart for the world and God's heart for the church. And so today, God has brought a special guest speaker, as you've seen the video of Dr. Pepper, uh, Mike Pepper, no, no pun intended there, uh, uh, and the work that God is doing in Sierra Leone. I'm sure you've never heard that before. Uh, and so it's been a unique, uh, just to kind of bring you up to speed on the, on the way God has brought us together and, and maximize his opportunity to speak. I don't want to say too much, but uh, it's really neat how God has used uh, relationships with our other uh, partners in ministry, like Gary Haskell to introduce us to Brother Pepper and uh, also uh, Pastor Rich Ricard. Uh, and so uh, you may have been here, some of you may have been here when uh, Brother Pepper came with the um, chaplain from Sierra Leone and spoke at a, uh, at, on a Sunday night at, at one of our vision conferences. It was outstanding. And the, from that one meeting, God put it on <clears throat> some members' hearts to support Sierra Leone in Bible publishing. And uh, the Word First Ministry put together, uh, I believe it was 4,000 um, uh, whole Bibles uh, for Sierra Leone. And, uh, and so those were assembled, and uh, Brother Pepper came, and Abdul came, and we loaded them up, and Brother Pepper, Pepper preached, and uh, they were off and running with the Bibles. Those Bibles have since been delivered, and he can tell you about the incredible work that God is doing uh, through the Word there. As you can already see in the videos, God is doing tremendous things. Uh, this, I mean, in the, it, right now, as we speak, it's an incredible thing. And so this is uh, Brother Pepper's third visit here. And for many of you, it'll be your first time to meet him. But he is, uh, as we make our progression through our, our seven realities of HBF, uh, you'll notice that I've been working through Ephesians 6, and we've had a child, a servant, a master, a soldier. Um, well, the next thing we'll be talking about when we deal with real war zones, which is, is yet future, is you've got to have some ambassadors. And, beloved, this is an ambassador for Christ. Uh, like the Apostle Paul, uh, there are key men that God uses uh, Brother Pepper has served as a missionary in Korea. He has served faithfully as a pastor here in the United States. And at a time when him and his wife, Diane, would be you know, retiring and, and uh, sailing off in the sunset, so to speak, uh, they've investing, they are investing their life in, in a very fertile field and a place where the investment is going to yield tremendous benefits uh, for eternal life. And it's, it's exciting to see what God's doing in Sierra Leone, a place of revival. And when he came here his first time, I remember him bringing that up. There's a lot of places all over the world where it's very hard to see results. This is not one of those. I mean, it's amazing. The numbers that you saw in that video, they were not concocted. Uh, this is not a prosperity gospel. This is people literally responding to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because this, the soil of the heart is fertile. And so I'm excited to hear all that Brother Pepper has for us today. So give Brother Pepper a good welcome as he comes to preach to us this morning. Thank you. It's so good to be back. Uh, we, uh, I just wanted to be able to say, uh, church, how grateful we are for the Bibles that uh, you provided for us here uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, thank you, sir. And um, we, uh, 
are those Bibles uh, were for our church people. Our church people did not have any Bibles. We had uh, been able to take about 50,000 Bibles for uh, every active military received a uh, Bible, every active police, uh, a member of the police force received a, uh, a Bible, the correctional officers, the uh, Freetown City uh, Police, the Metropolitan Police, and the Fire Force all received Bibles. And uh, we did not have any for our church people. And so we are grateful uh, to this church for providing that. We really are grateful. Thank you very much, church. And uh, we've been giving those out with uh, great discretion, uh, not uh, certainly not trying to keep back the Word of God, but we want to make sure that the people... Uh, we want to make sure that they get uh, uh, baptized, and um, we also want to make sure that they can read and write. And um, uh, to give a Bible to someone is wonderful, but if you can't read it, um, uh, I don't think it's good stewardship. And with the uh, limited resources we have, uh, I want you to know that we, our people are very grateful for uh, the Bibles that... Uh, you have provided for them. It's not something that they could provide for themselves. So we are, are grateful for that. Thank you, church, very much for that. We um, uh, entering into our uh, 15th year in uh, Sierra Leone, and um, uh, it just seems like yesterday. And the Lord is doing such wonderful things. I, I, I'm sure you noticed a, a camp of... Uh, Muslim children that came to camp. Uh, they, um, a Muslim school uh, that uh, came. There were over 300 that day. There was over 300 of those young people that came to Christ, but also the principal, the vice principal, and six teachers in this Muslim school that came to Christ. So, the country of Sierra Leone is a Muslim country. Uh, 70% Muslim. There's really three religions in, uh, in Sierra Leone. There is Islam, there is, which is predominant. There is Christianity, which right now is about 12%. And there is um, witchcraft, which numbers almost 100%. And uh, so uh, we are trying to address... That issue, because witchcraft permeates uh, all of uh, Sierra Leone. So we are constantly addressing that with the Word of God to show our people that uh, have been raised in that. You have to understand that that was part of their training from uh, childhood. And uh, so we want to make sure that our people are grounded in the Word of God. That's the, uh, that is the uh, future of Sierra Leone, uh, as far as Christianity is concerned, make sure our people know the Bible and know the Word of God. So we're we're at work with that. The sector of villages that uh, has opened up uh, to us, we are in the process of uh, now trying to put together a uh, a plan 
for a protocol, if you please, to try to develop Christianity in these villages. There's 15 villages in this particular sector. They um, were Islam by religion, but um, uh, they had never heard the gospel. So uh, we, it came about in a long story, try to make it very short. There was a, one of our pastors in the city of Waterloo, which is about an hour and a half outside of uh, Freetown, the capital city where we are. And um, he, uh, uh, walking by a man who uh, was, um, uh, had been drinking, and he invited him to come to church. Well, he continued to see this man periodically, and every time the man had really uh, uh, was, uh, the, his village was known as a town drunk. And um, uh, he, uh, uh, Bindi stopped one day and just talked to him about Christ and about his need for Jesus Christ. And this man accepted Christ, and his life changed, and he started coming to church, and he got baptized. And he uh, said uh, to his, um, uh, to Pastor Bindi, he said, I would like to go back to my village. Would you go with me? Well, this man's brother is the chief of that particular village sector. And um, so Bindi went back with him, and he told his brother the change that had come into his life through Christ. And his brother was um, taken back with his brother being sobered up and, and uh, wanting to come back home. And so um, uh, Bindi came back to me to the house where I am to our office and began to tell me about this man's conversion and about the opportunity of this sector because there was no church. They had never had a church. They didn't even have a mosque, although they were uh, followers of, of Muhammad, of Islam. They... Um, had never had a mosque built there. There was no school for their children. It was kind of like, here's a whole section of people that the government didn't care about, that Christianity didn't care about, that Islam didn't care about. And so we arranged for all of our pastors, all 15 of our pastors, to go back to... Um, those 15 villages and preach, and you saw the result of, of uh, that day. That was April the 1st, the first day of Ramadan, by the way. And among those people that got saved that day were five sheikhs, uh, five leaders of Islam. And um, uh, they got saved. Well, we've been in the process of, of going out there and also sending our a pastor there, and uh, Pastor Alfred is now, he was pastor in McKinney, he is now pastoring uh, four churches in that, uh, in that area. And um, uh, we're building, uh, going to build four churches. One church is going to be for a church and a school. And uh, we're in the process of trying to get that building finished, ready for September for kids to come to school. We've tested 100 
children that um, they're in the village. There's about 500 children. We've tested 100 of them so far. None of them can read or write. So we, we have a big job with education. We put in a well out there. Uh, they have no fresh water. Uh, they, there's not a home there that has a bathroom, uh, even a privy outside. It, there, there isn't one. So uh, we're building one for the, for the Christian school so our children can learn how to use a bathroom and, um, instead of the bush. But it's, uh, it's a challenge, but also very exciting. Because what I have learned uh, is that there are multitudes of these sectors of villages that are the same condition as these. People who have never, ever heard the gospel. So, Diane and I are very excited about the potential uh, because of the fact that we have our, our goal since we, uh, be, before we went to Sierra Leone, was to capture the country for Christ. And, uh, and then secondly, to impact West Africa. And our Bible Institute is, I think, very instrumental to impacting West Africa. We're trying to put together a strategy, not only to reach Sierra Leone, but a strategy for impacting all of West Africa. And if we can have a strategy that involves other missionaries, uh, and, and of course, we're talking about uh, missionaries of like faith and practice, involves other missionaries, involves uh, uh, other ministry in these other countries, and to work together uh, through our Bible Institute that we can train nationals and to begin to see the number of national pastors, train national pastors, expanding the ministry in West Africa. Once that strategy is put in place, now you have East Africa, Central Africa, and South Africa. And you have a multitude of nationals that can move the gospel northward into those very, very difficult areas that we have all heard about and know about. And uh, where uh, the, the, limit, the gospel is limited in that environment. So we are trying to put together that strategy. Now, is that going to happen in my lifetime? No. Not going to all happen in my lifetime. But if we can put in place the driving force that will accomplish that purpose, See, Africa has over a billion people. And the majority of those people are without Christ. And so we can have a plan and a purpose for the gospel to penetrate that entire continent with the, gospel, uh, with the Lord Jesus and make a difference in that continent. It's a continent, continent really, honestly, has been totally... Uh, neglected. And I really believe that's because the world wants to keep it that way. Because Africa is full of resources. And the Chinese are capitalizing on it in every country that they can uh, make their way into because they need the resources. But I just believe that God has put on the hearts of his people, let's move forward. 
let's make a difference in Africa, let's make a difference in Sierra Leone, and let's really capture a country for Christ. It can be done. And uh, we appreciate everything that you're doing. And uh, we just uh, pray that our partnership will be more solidified, that uh, we can uh, work together in a very, very keen way in doing just that, of capturing that country for Christ. We need workers. I cannot emphasize enough the need for workers. Here you have a country that is wide open to the gospel, a Muslim country open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The labors are few. Let's pray God send labors into that country. I'm not getting any younger. You, you, you can't notice that, but I'm not getting any, any younger. And uh, we need my son-in-law, my daughter, uh, they're going to need help. And um, here we have a, a door that's open, wide open to the gospel. Paul talked about that, didn't he, about Ephesus. It's a door that's wide open. And he said, uh, God has laid that on my heart to go there. And you know, we know the church of Ephesus and the success there that Paul had, the wonderful impact that it had, along with many other churches that turned their world upside down for Christ. I pray today that our hearts are drawn to the fact that not, not focusing on the, what's happening in our world because it's always been a wicked world after the fall. It's always been wicked. And when, when the gospel, when it says they turned the world upside down, you think about Rome and how wicked that that uh, empire was, and uh, how heartless they were in many instances. And yet that, those churches went out and made a difference. Let us think about that this morning, the difference we can make in people's lives. Uh, I, we, got a lot of, we got a lot of problems in Sierra Leone, all kinds of problems in Sierra Leone, but we have a gospel that penetrates the problems in people's lives and makes a difference. I, I know what happened in my life. You know what happened in your life. You know the change that God brought in your life. He does the same thing when the gospel is, is given free course like it is in Sierra Leone. I want you to turn with me this morning in your Bibles. There's so much I'd like to say, but... Uh, we uh, want to make sure that uh, that uh, we get to the Word of God. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. While you're turning there, I want to tell you a, a story. It comes out of the front page of the Houston Chronicle in Houston, Texas. It came in the, in the story of a picture. Downtown Houston, amidst all those big buildings, here was this woman who had her ear to the uh, uh, chest of a, of a man right there on the street. You looked at it, it was very strange. 
And then the caption underneath told the story. Her son had died in an accident. And this man had been the recipient of her son's heart. And what she was doing was listening to the heartbeat of her son. Wouldn't it be something if God could put his ear to our chest and hear the heartbeat of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? What I want to share with you in this passage of Scripture is not anything new, but we've heard it, in fact, we've heard it a lot of times. And because it's so familiar, sometimes we tend to overlook the familiar. When you read these verses of Scripture, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Put amen at the close. So be it. And I submit to you today that there are three wonderful, powerful truths in these verses that Jesus passed on to his generation. You know, if a person is leaving this earth by death and he has moments to speak to his, the ones he loves, there's a special message in that. And this is one portion of Scripture out of the Gospel of Matthew, but you can find also similar portion in Mark and Luke and John. So it's really important if it's repeated in all four Gospels. There's something there that is very important, and I trust this morning that we will receive these truths I pray that if you're a new believer that this morning you look carefully and think with me about what Jesus is saying. If you've been saved a long time, let us reconsider and refocus. I think especially with, man, I turned on the news this morning and I turned it back off. I've heard it again uh, before, you know. But it's pretty depressing. And uh, I don't say that we hide our heads in the sand. But in the day in which we live, we've never seen things happen like that are happening. It's happening all around us. Not just here in America, it's happening even in, in uh, places such as Sierra Leone. I mean, we're seeing things happen that we just never dreamed would ever happen. I, my uh, grandson preached a camp this last week, and he told me a, a little bit about the subject matter and what he was addressing with the young people at, in the evening service. And he was telling me a story about uh, from Ithaca, New York, where the school district has met because a girl has 
identified herself as a cat. And uh, so they voted to put a litter box. I'm, I'm, I don't understand this. I'm just saying, telling you. They voted to put a litter box in the bathroom for her because she fully identified herself as a cat. There, there's, no, uh, there's no way to, dis- to discuss that kind of an event or happening. The world has gone completely mad. But it's not uh, that much unlike what was going on in Rome in the day of the Apostle Paul, in the day of those disciples when that that early church that had grown so much in Jerusalem now was persecuted because God didn't want them to stay in Jerusalem. And God sent them out to the whole world. Jesus said, I want you to know I have unlimited power. Spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It means authority. When Jesus was standing there, he was standing there as their authority. And they were listening. And they heard his message. And he said, I have the authority to do this because I have authority in heaven and I have authority here on this earth. And this is what I want you to do. This is what I command you to do. I want you to go into all the world under my authority. You know, God the Father declared the Lord Jesus Christ has all authority. Angels have announced it. And they understand that he's Lord. Sometimes when we get saved, we we know him as Savior. But he is also our Lord. He's our master. He has every right to tell us what to do. He bought us. We are not our own. He's paid the price. And now he says, this is what I want you to do. And we're here today because they accepted the authority of Jesus Christ in their life. And they went everywhere preaching the word. And the whole world was turned upside down. And the gospel continued through Europe and came to America. And came to your life just like it came to my life. A senior in high school. Never, we didn't go to church. We didn't know anything about the the gospel. We didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know where the first time I went to church, I couldn't have found John 3.16. I remember sitting in, in the in Saturday matinee in the movies and seeing pictures of Billy Graham and uh, movie tone preaching. And I'd make fun, he and my friend, I mean, my friend and myself would make fun of him preaching. 
Many times, in my experience, the only time we ever heard God when it was being used in a cursing form, I had five alcoholic members of my family, my mother included. That's the, that's the house that we grew up in. We closed up two bars in town many times on Friday night and Saturday night, especially Saturday night. PYs and minis. I'm telling you that because that's the environment that I was living in when I heard the gospel. I didn't want to go to church, but I had a friend in school that was a Christian, and she wanted to win a contest in her youth department. She said, would you help me? At first I said no. I, I declined several times. Then I went ahead and went, and I heard the lesson from the Word of God. I told her, I'm not going to go to church. I'm just going to go to Sunday school. That's it. But when I heard the lesson in Sunday school and I followed along in her Bible and the teacher was teaching right from the Word of God, I was so intrigued, I said, you know, I think I'll stay for church. And then Sunday I said, I think I'll go back Sunday night. That was in September, the end of September, 1959, November of that year, I understood finally what Jesus did for me. I knew I was a sinner. Nobody had to convince me I was a sinner. I just didn't know how to take care of the sin problem. And I didn't understand that. And it took me till November to be able to understand that. And so on a Tuesday afternoon at four o'clock in Southern California, to Mesa, I was in a preacher's office and I knelt and I asked Jesus Christ to save my soul. Somebody brought me the gospel because somebody had brought them the gospel. And we're here because somebody brought the gospel to us. And what I'm trying to say is Jesus says, I have authority to tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go and tell the whole world. That's what I want you to do. And it's not a request. It really is in the form of a command. And for us to understand that he has every right to say that is vital. Jesus has all authority. Unlimited power. Jesus has an unchanging program. In verse 19, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And this program has not changed. And it will not change. And God's plan for the church is still in vogue today. God's plan is nowhere has God reversed that plan. His plan is to tell the church This is what I want you to do now that you're saved. I want you to go, church, 
and tell the world. That's what I want you to do. And together, that's what you're doing with the word of God and with your missionaries and trying to get the gospel out and do your best. And while all I'm saying is we have to keep doing it here. Because people do not know they're in darkness. This is a heathen nation. It's a heathen world we live in. But no different from the time of that Jesus walked on this earth and the time when the disciples followed after Jesus and when the apostle Paul was sent forth. No different. Wicked, vile. I visited a bathhouse in Jerusalem and I couldn't believe it was a Roman bathhouse. Could not believe the things that were going on in that place as it was described by our tour guide. Jesus has this plan and it applies to me and it applies to you You know, the Apostle Paul said this, I'm a debtor. And he said to to the Corinthian church, he said, you know, God has a plan for me. There is a church in Ephesus that, or there is a place called Ephesus that God wants me to go to. Says an effectual door has been opened unto me. Not to... Titus, not to Timothy, not to other people. Paul said, it's a door open to me. And I I just want to reemphasize that this morning that every one of us that are believers have a door that's open to us. He opens doors for us. We have to be looking for the open door. We have to be looking for people. We have, whether it's the, the person at the, the gas station or the marketplace, the doctor's office, the school in which you attend. They've got to be other people, just like myself, just needed somebody to come alongside and care about their soul. There are people like that all around us. And if we realize we are a debtor to people, We've got the gospel that set us free. People are bound by sin, enslaved by sin, and we have an opportunity to bring them the truth of the word of God. Every single one of us, God wants to use to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. Jesus has a program that he wants us to fulfill. It's a plan that he that was known from the foundations of the earth. That Jesus knew about that. He designed it. It's called the church. And when he established the church, he unleashed it. With his authority, he said, I unleash you to go into all the world and you tell people if they will accept me, their sins will be forgiven and their lives can be saved from hell and they can go to heaven. And this is a message I want you to tell. Can you imagine those people in Morica on that first day at 10 o'clock in every one of those villages, they heard the message 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I, gave them, I gave all of our pastors the simple gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. See, the resurrection, that's, that's important because if Jesus is risen from the grave, he's the only one. That makes him more than just a prophet, as Islam would say. They acknowledge him as a prophet. They won't acknowledge him as God. But Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. And can you imagine when those people heard about Jesus that day? Well, a thousand, over a thousand gave their life to Christ. We've had over 700 since the first of April that have also accepted Christ. You're almost 2,000 people now in those villages that embraced Jesus Christ as their Savior. Just think if we had not gone. Just think if they, we had not been sent out to go. Just think if there had not been someone willing to go, those preachers willing to make that trip out. They came back, they were so excited. <laughs> to see the power of the gospel. The lives of those people that had never heard. Well, there's people all around us that have never really heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're waiting on somebody to tell them. They don't know that they're waiting. But the longing of their soul, trying to fill it with something, and they can't find anything that satisfies. The only thing that ever satisfied my soul is Jesus Christ. Gave me peace. Before I was at war with God, I didn't fully understand that. But I knew this, I was a sinner. I was afraid to go to bed at night because I never knew where I would wake up if I died during the night. I would fight going to sleep at nighttime because I didn't know where I was going to spend eternity. Didn't tell that to anybody else. That was just a quiet war that I was having within myself. But most people are like that. They just need to have somebody tell them the good news. They don't have to be at war with themselves. They don't need to be trying to take care of their sin problem because they can't. Jesus makes that possible. He took care of my sin. He died for my sin. He loved me. And when I heard that message, when I understood that message, it set me free. How many people in your family and friends, acquaintances, people you meet, how many of them just need somebody to come and tell them how much Jesus loves them? It's an uh, unchanging program and lastly, the last truth that I want to share with you, Jesus' unfailing promise. He said in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I'm with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He gave us of the person of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and he said, I want you to go to preach to all people. 
He said, all authority, all nations, all commandments, all the days. And he said, I'll be with you. There's never been a greater day, I don't think, to preach the gospel than today. People do not know. They're waiting. You know, I, while I was coming down, uh, driving down here yesterday, I, I turned on a, a religious program. The guy was preaching. I listened to him for about 20 minutes. And you know what? I said, what did he just say? I turned it off, thought about it, what he was saying. I said, I've listened to him for 20 minutes. And um, I don't understand what the message is. We have a clear message. We have something really wonderful to tell. We don't want to mask it. We don't want to hide it. We want to go and tell people. That's what we are doing. And Jesus said, I'll be with you. Because I have all authority. I want you to go to all nations. I want you to tell them all my commandments. And he said, in all the days I'll be with you. If we've got God in us and the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. He will be with you and he will be in you. We have the Spirit of God. We can make a difference in this world. You know, the, there's a song that uh, we used to sing a lot, Hold the Fort for I Am Coming. I like the song that talks about us going forth as onward Christian soldiers. Instead of us holding the fort, Let's get out here in the warfare and let's make a difference in our world. In somebody's world, you and I can make an impact. Let me close with this story. There was a Christian artist and he was trying to, he wanted to paint a picture of evangelism, what it mean, means to be evangelizing other people. So he painted this on this canvas, a picture of a storm with a lightning bolt and the waves billowing and a boat of life humanity crashed and human beings out in the sea. One man grabbing a hold of a rock that protruded out of the ocean. He had both hands on that rock and that rock being Jesus. Painter looked back after he finished the painting and he said, this is not exactly what I had in mind. So he got a new canvas out and he started painting again and he painted the same picture of the, the dark clouds and the storm and the lightning and the, uh, uh, the waves, billowing waves and the rock and the man who had reached the rock, but this time, instead of him having both arms around that rock and holding on to that rock, he had a, the man with one arm on the rock reaching down with his other arm 
to the one who was in the water, his friend, to give him a hand to reach down and pick him up and bring him to the rock. And he was comfortable with his painting on evangelism. And that's what this world needs right now. Is people who have a hold of the rock reaching down for somebody else to bring them to the rock. To keep them from drowning in their sin and facing eternity without Christ. God help us not to be focused on the negative the problems in this world, they're immense. They're more you and I could ever come up with answers to. But we have one who has all the answers. And we can share him with this world. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Every head bowed. Pastor, would you come please?